Okay, friends, we are in a series in Numbers entitled In the Wilderness, and I'd like to share with you a message entitled Good Words. Good Words. The reason for that is because there have been a lot of bad words recently. How many of you have said some bad words yourselves? Come on. Yes. And by bad words, I want to say that we're not just talking about curse words or we're not just talking about profanities, although those words definitely come. And uh, we're the kind of Christian folk who understand that those words not only exist, but come out of our mouths on a more than regular occasion. Ask me at another time, but some of those words actually exist in your Bible, which is really fun to teach a bunch of high schoolers that, oh, this word actually doesn't mean that. It means this. But, you know, Bible translators have to clean it up. So, so those words exist, and they happen. And so, Let's talk about bad words for a moment before we get to the good words. When I think about bad words, I think about the news of this week. Once again, we are faced with the reality that there's people in this world that are shot by police, and it causes us in our community to once again pull our hair out and ask, like, what in the world is going on? And then, of course, many of you know about the shooting at the mall in Washington. Many of you have watched the news about the ceasefire that's supposed to be happening in Syria. And this week, Russia dropped yet 100 more bombs in a city that's already devastated. This is what I mean by bad words. Words that come to us through news, words that come to us through social events, Words that come to us through violence and injustice. Words that come to us when there's an outcry of communities that say, how can this still be happening? Words that come to us when people fight against the fighting that we are attempting to do for justice. Those are words that I'm talking about. I'm also talking about bad words when it comes to religious expectations or religious experiences. I've had some conversations recently with some people uh, about what is church? Why do you like church? What is good or what is bad about church? And some of the communication, some of the response has been, well, you know, I've just come from this tradition that is full of shame, guilt, condemnation. And if you didn't participate in a religious community in a certain way, then there was this kind of phraseology or this tone or this posture that the leadership had, and it just made you feel like crap if you didn't participate. These are the bad words that I think about. Um, We had some news with some friends of work and job exploding, and not in ways like IPO, IPO, Exploding in such a way that there's actual real damage that's done to employees and families as a result of leaders and business people acting in ways that are just horrific and illegal. These are the bad words. And having to have those conversations and what all the words that fly back and forth. And of course, the tragedies that I mentioned before. And there was a moment this week where our beautiful little one did something like, why did you hit the child? And you're like, I'm such a bad parent. (laughs) And 
there's moments even in parenting where you are uncertain as to what's actually going on and how, oh, geez, my child is doing this, and you as a parent are starting to feel insecure, and you have to have conversations, and you have those moments. Those are, those are bad words. Um, one of you sent me this uh, article by uh, Andrew Sullivan entitled, I Used to Be Human. An endless bombardment of news and gossip and images has rendered us manic information addicts. It broke me, and it might break you. And he goes in this article describing his addiction to blogging and posting and how many followers he had and how many readers he had. And he was blogging and posting up to 10 times per day to just keep that cycle running. And in this article, he writes, If the internet killed you, I used to joke, then I would be the first to find out. Years later, the joke was running thin. In the last year of my blogging life, my health began to give out. Four bronchial infections in 12 months had had become progressively harder to kick. Vacations, such as they were, had become more opportunities for sleep. My dreams were filled with the snippets of code I used each day to update the site. My friendships had atrophied as my time away from the web dwindled. My doctor dispensing one more course of antibiotics finally laid it on the line. And this line just rocked me. Did you really survive HIV to die of the web? This is what I mean by bad words. I'm not talking about profanity. I'm not talking about cursing. I'm not talking about saying nasty, evil things. I'm talking about those words that come to us in situations and circumstances and moments that take us away from life. Words that take us away from justice. Words that seem to strip us from our peace and our wholeness. I'm talking about words that remind us that oftentimes our lives are found in the desert. And we've had some of those conversations this week. I'm sure some of you have felt this, and if you haven't, I hope that today isn't too much of a downer on this. Um, But I hope today we can at least face the news reports, the current situation that many of us find ourselves in with jobs, employment, family, etc., and culture, and say to ourselves, you know what, I could really use some different words. I could really use some words that changed and shifted my experience in this world. And it's really important for us, I think, to recognize that when those words come, we shouldn't be surprised. The journey that we've been on through this Bible from Genesis now to Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, finds us after beautiful creation in Genesis, a beautiful redemption and freedom from slavery in Exodus, a beautiful setting of holiness and righteousness in Leviticus, to cast now right back out into the desert. And in many ways, the story of that The pattern of that story, from creation to freedom and liberation back out into the desert, I would imagine resonates with many of us many, many times in our lives. Beautiful happenings, birth into this world, celebration of life, growing, developing, gathering degrees, getting a family, whatever it is that you're doing, accomplishing your dreams, and then somewhere along the lines, you are back in that desert. Tragedy, news reports, job explodes tragic loss, and you are back in that desert. I find this to be profound and relevant 
and hopefully transformative for us as a community and anybody who reads these stories, that the good words that we are about to read in Numbers chapter 6 come in the desert. They don't come immediately after things are good. They come right after the Israelites are thrown right back into that desert, right back into the wasteland, right back into the wilderness. Now, I want to say that as we get to what these good words are, this is not to be indifferent or dismissive of the bad. Oftentimes, in Christian and religious circles, there's a tendency to say nice, good, kind words about the bad and evil things that are happening, but it feels as if, well, we're just going to gloss over it, and if you just, you know, thought about the goodness of God or just trusted and had faith in all of those things, we just ignore and go away. And these words that we're about to read are not those kinds of words. They are not words that attempt to make it all better. These are words that actually try to pierce right into the midst and to try to churn in the midst of the desert and the wilderness to find some sense of hope and redemption. These words are not just a band-aid or a bandage to go around the bleeding that is happening in your life. These words are actually a cry a yearning, a hope, and a prayer from the wound. So, my friends, what are these words? We're in Numbers chapter 6, right after the Nazarite vow that we talked about last week. And these words, if you've been a part of Spark for any period of time, will be extremely familiar. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, does this sound familiar to you? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. What I'd like to do in the next few moments is share with you some possible ways of looking at these words. We say these words every single week when we bless our children. Yes, this is very, very familiar. Many of you are familiar with this blessing. It's, used, it's very, very popularly used. What I'd like to do today is dig a little bit deeper. What's going on in these words? And could we maybe pull out some insight into the structure, the language, what's going on there? That I hope will be a direct response to some of the bad words that you have experienced this week, this month, maybe this year. This, this is my hope. Okay, first, let's do some study because we're spark and that's what we do. It appears as if these words have been either duplicated, replicated, or copied from another psalm. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. Now pay attention to some of this language because the description that I made of Genesis all the way through is going to find its way here. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. What was Genesis? But the spirit of the Lord over the waters. And for those of you who remember, waters is a symbol of chaos. Consider floods, consider storms. Water is not life in this sense. Water is destruction. And so the voice of the Lord is over those waters. The, the God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters in the midst of chaos, in the midst of destruction. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice, the words, 
that which comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Just like in Genesis, it is coming out here. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, all cry glory. Again, these words. And then this last portion, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as a king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. And here's this phrase, the Lord blesses his people with peace. So some commentators have noticed this phrase, bless and peace, are directly related to this Numbers chapter 6 passage. And so whatever is going on about God using his voice to bring power, glory, redemption, hope, salvation from the waters, so maybe also God in Numbers chapter 6, as he tells Aaron to use his voice to bring salvation and hope out of the chaos of the waters. And these are the words, bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Lord, lift up his countenance. Something about these words, part of the reason why they've been passed down for over 2,500 years minimum is about words coming out into your chaos, into your destruction, into your desert, into your wilderness to bring some semblance of hope, some semblance of rescue and redemption. A couple things that might be going on there. The Lord bless you is this word, yevarechecha. It comes from the word barach or barak. Barak. That sounds familiar. Barak. Okay, so it comes from this word barak, which actually is literally the word for knee. So when I think of this word, may the Lord bless you, this is the image that actually comes to mind. A God that comes to you in your pain. You've scraped your knee. You've fallen on the playground. You've had a bad day. Some kid whacked you on the head, and you come running. And what does the Lord do but then comes down and takes his knee? And I've seen parents do this over and over and over again, and I do it myself. And what a beautiful expression of the Lord bending his knee. Because this has always confused me. The Lord bless you. I thought we were supposed to bless God, worship God, honor God. And in this, there's this little twist in the phraseology. May the Lord actually bend his knee towards you, seek you, look at you face to face in the midst of whatever it is, tragedy, wilderness, pain, brokenness. So I love this image. The next phrase, may he make his face shine upon you. And and the phrase after that, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you is actually literally the same turning his face Toward you, turning his. So we have a knee, we have a face turning toward you. What's the opposite of turning toward you? It is to say, I'm really not interested in hearing anything that you have to say. Talk to the hand, because the face ain't listening. So in this blessing, in this good words that is pronounced upon, may this God turn his face towards you to receive and to listen and to hear all that you have to say. All of the tragedy, all of the pain, all of the curse words that you want to say as a result of your circumstance or situation, may the Lord turn his face 
toward you. Another thing that's noted about this phrase, I mean, there's so many layers here, is that there's singulars and plurals mixed in with this phraseology. All of these yous are actually singular. But if you remember at the very beginning, it says, this is what you are to say to the Israelites. There's a plural there. And so commentators have noticed this discrepancy. Why is it that you're supposed to say this to a group of people, and yet when the actual phraseology comes, it's actually singular? And part of the reason for that, they would suggest, is because when there's a blessing of the people, it's because the people are one, just as God is one. And it's very similar to what we talked about before. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer with it. When one part of the body rejoices, we all rejoice with it. In other words, when you form a community, we are not a collection of individuals. We are one body. And this blessing comes to us. And so when I hear of a friend, a congregant, a brother or a sister, or somebody in my community that is burdened, that has pain, that has a tragedy, it is mine as well. And I hold and I carry that too. And this is what it means to be a community. And one of the possible ways to see why this blessing is a bunch of singular words. Another notice that people have had is that the actual words in Hebrew begin getting bigger and bigger as you go along. The first segment of the Lord is only three words in Hebrew. The second segment is five and the last is seven. And what does seven represent? perfection and completion and wholeness, and it ends on the word peace. In other words, the whole driving thrust of the narrative, the whole driving thrust of what this blessing is supposed to be is not just that we get a nice feeling about God blessing us. The thrust, the drive, the end result of this blessing is that you would experience the fullness of what shalom has, wholeness, peace, completion, the whole thing, put back together the way it's supposed to be. One last layer. There are a bunch of verbs and adverbs that are used, and some have noticed and suggested that actually the phrase, the Lord bless you and keep you, may be better read, may the Lord bless you by keeping you. In other words, the blessing, the thing that we use as a sense of God's favor is really about God protecting, guarding. The Hebrew word behind that word keep, shamor, means to guard and to protect. So if you want to feel or have a sense that there's a blessing from this God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of the universe, if you want to have a blessing which sometimes can devolve into a, oh, I, I had this wonderful feeling from God. This blessing says the blessing from the Lord is a God that actually stands in the gap between you and the tragedy, you and the threat, you and whatever it is that's coming after you to destroy you, to pull you down, to tear you apart, to disintegrate you. This is a God, the blessing, this is a God that stands in that gap and protects you. May the Lord bless you by protecting you, guarding you. Standing as a soldier, ready to ward off any threat 
to your peace and to your wholeness. Second, the shining, the face that turns towards you is not just that you get, once again, this ecstatic experience of being face-to-face with God, but that the face being turned towards you is an expression of grace. May the Lord make his face shine upon you in order to be gracious to you. The grace is what results in God's shining upon you. How many of you have made a mistake, fallen short, had a failure, and all you needed was somebody to just extend you some grace and to look you in the face sincerely and honestly and say, it's going to be okay. And then the last, which is, may God lift up his countenance upon you. It's actually this beautiful phrase, lift up. And the last part in Hebrew means sat down. May the Lord lift up his face and set down upon you his peace. And again, that word peace there is shalom, wholeness, completeness. A broken world put back together again. In other words, this blessing may not just be a stream of consciousness. This blessing, these good words, are about turning a God toward us for protection, for grace, and for wholeness. For protection, for grace, and for wholeness. We're going to use that later on as we spend a few moments just thinking about where do you need protection? Where do you need grace? Where do you need wholeness? Now, the letter that is used for shalom back there is the letter shin. Everybody say shin. Now, the letter shin is, uh, this is the letter. This is what it looks like. It's the first word of a couple words, shalom, which means peace. It is also the first word for another Hebrew word, shaddai. Many of you have heard that word shaddai. And that word is actually comes from a root word, which means breast. It is like saying God is my provider. He's, sometimes it's translated almighty, but provision, sustenance, nourishment, and satisfaction. Now, this letter was so critical and important to God Almighty and God of my peace that the priests of the ancient Israelites would actually try to exemplify this letter with their hands when they blessed people. Now, I love doing this exercise. Those of you who have been to Israel already know about this. I would love for you to look at this letter and take your hand and try to figure out how do you make that letter with your hand. Go ahead, give it a try if you're interested. How would you make that sign, that letter, shin, with all, all five of your fingers, by the way. It's got to be all five of your fingers, totally and completely. I love, this is my favorite thing in the world. All right, Ezekiel, Eric, no, beautiful, hold them up high. Look at this. That symbol that they have right there is the symbol of God's presence, his peace, the presence of the Almighty, the provision, and this is, you can find this all over the place, this symbol right here. And it was used by the priests when they recited this blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, over the Israelites because they were about to exit out of the land, excuse me, out of the desert and into the land where they would live long and prosper. That's exactly correct. So for those of you who have ever wondered where this came from, it comes from this blessing and the priestly blessing. Now, what would happen, and this is something that we'd like to do today, is the priest would then 
use their prayer shawl, which is a symbol of God's covering, make the sign, and actually, Ezekiel, you want to do this? If you're interested. So you can do this. And now, take your hands in the symbol of the shin, and then you can raise them up, both hands, and then you can raise them up, and then spread your hands over the people. And sometimes, uh, I've seen in some traditions, this actually comes over the face. And the reason why it comes over the face is because it is not the priest that is blessing you. It is God who is blessing you. You see the wings of the talit, of the prayer shawl. You see the shin, which is the symbol and representative of God's peace in Shaddai. Um, this, by the way, is being covered in the shadow of his wings. And then the priest would recite the blessing over the people. All right, that's so awesome. And you would receive your blessing. Protection. Grace. And wholeness. You can keep that on for a second. Some time ago, not too long ago, Danielle's professor actually in Jerusalem, a guy by the name of Gabby Barkai, was digging on the south side of Jerusalem in a valley known as Hinnom Valley. And he uncovered one of the most magnificent archaeological finds. This is a silver amulet. It's probably about an inch. And amazing technology, having to unroll something that is probably dated to the 6th century BC. They started unrolling this thing, asking, because anytime you find writing in archaeology, it is a find. So they unrolled it. It was a little amulet, something that hung around the neck, something that maybe they kept in a pocket, perhaps maybe in a phylactery or something. Does anybody want to guess what was written on it? It's one of the oldest writings that we have. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Someone, somewhere, sometime, we're holding on to these words. In the Valley of Hinnom, by the way, a place that has a very dark, tragic, desert, wilderness, horrific history, holding on to the blessing that God would bless, protect, shine his face, give grace, turn his countenance upon us and provide for us his peace once again. It's a beautiful reminder that this prayer that we say every single week for our children is actually not just for our children. It's for the entire community. It is for us. I have a cards for you. Now, I wasn't quite sure how to do this, but I wanted to pretend in some ways that this might be a little bit of maybe the amulet. I don't know what you want to do with this. This is something that is completely up to you, however you want to do this. What I've done for you is written out this exact prayer, and I'd love for you to just take a few moments to consider carefully what truly and honestly has been the wilderness, or the desert, or the challenge, the tragedy? What has that been this week, this month? And I would love for you to pretend that you are now in front of the priest 
with his hands lifted high, covered in the shadow of the wings, and that priest is reciting these words over you. And as that priest recites these words over you, to bless you, to keep you, I would love for you to identify maybe something in your life, whether it's in the news or a tragedy or something that has happened, um, something that you're dealing with, and there's something in your life, maybe it's your heart, maybe it's your soul, maybe it's your own words that needs guarding, protecting. There's something that you need God to just stand in that gap and say, God, protect me, guard me from this. And then there's possibly something where you feel like a failure, you feel like you've made a mistake, you feel like you haven't lived up. And there's something in your life that just simply needs that extension of grace. What in your life needs that grace? And then last, there's something in your life that perhaps was broken. It fell apart. It didn't function and work the way it was intended to work and function. And there's something in your life that perhaps needs to be whole again. So however you want to posture your heart, your mind, your soul, uh, I'm just going to play for a few moments and then I'll close with the prayer and the blessing. And I would love for you to just take a few moments to consider. And you can write it in if you'd like. You can do it later if you'd like. But I hope that you feel these good words wash over your desert, your wilderness, your pain. Ezekiel, can I uh, kindly ask you, maybe raise up your hands again, would you, if you would be so kind, stand in front of the people. My friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon all of you and set upon you his peace. Amen.